Blessed be the Lord who trains my hands to war. If Satan's coming against you and you are not battling, you will lose. This is a spiritual battle. And he tells us, put on your armor. You're getting beat up. You're getting whooped. You're getting defeated because you're not putting on the armor. We got to start taking the belt to Satan. This is your moment. Experience God's love and God's peace with us. See what God is doing for your neighbors at Crosspoint. Be blessed with today's broadcast. It was a last resort. It was when <clears throat> mom and dad had finally had enough and Satan has pushed some of us to the limit, and it's time for some of us to tell the devil, I'm, I'm getting the belt, and, and, and I'm fixing to wear you out because I'm done with this. In this case, it's the belt of truth, and I want to talk about the belt of truth and how the belt of truth is our spiritual weapon against Satan. And whatever you're facing right now, the Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God. And because it tells us to put on the whole armor of God, and I, I, I started in this last week. If you missed last week, get online and watch that message. But if it tells us to put on an armor, we have to assume that we are in a battle. And if we're not in a battle, we're about to be in a battle. Put on the armor of God. My wife called me this week, Thursday, with some disturbing news. I was in Owensboro, I was in a store, and I was toting around some coffee cups for the coffee bar, and she said friends of ours had just called her and said their oldest boy, high schooler, senior, is he graduated? Freshman, okay, I was close. I know it was a boy. He had gotten some terrible news from the doctor and I will not speak it out of my mouth certainly not from this pulpit but he had gotten some terrible news and as we do especially as moms and dads and we, we call those prayer warriors and mom had called Amy as knowing that she's a prayer warrior and she contacted me these are friends of Cross Point Church these are ones that helped us in the beginning you see that big sign that we have out on front of the building, thousands of dollars of a sign that was given to us and installed by these friends of ours. And now they're being faced with this horrendous situation. And I, I, I just got mad. It just, I got a righteous, just a righteous indignation as though it was one of mine. And, and I said, how dare you, devil? How dare you? And in that store, as I walked around, I began praying. And I began praying in tongues, and I began casting and rebuking and using every drop of authority that I had been given against this situation. And sometimes you've got to get mad at the devil and say, I've had enough. 
Enough is enough! Later we, next day I, I was told, I don't know exactly when she was told, but she told me that the specialist had done another scan and whatever was in there before was no longer in there, praise God. The Bible says in Psalm 144, Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers to battle. Blessed be the Lord who trains my hands to war. If Satan's coming against you and you are not battling, you will lose. This is a spiritual battle. And he tells us, put on your armor. You're getting beat up. You're getting whooped. You're getting defeated because you're not putting on the armor. 1 Peter 5, 8 says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He saw a lion roar, and he said, well, that sounds scary. I want to sound like that lion. And so he roars in our life, but he is not a lion. He saw the lion devour its prey. And he said, well, I'd like to devour my prey, but he cannot devour you, saints of God. He cannot. He can only lie to you. If you believe you're going down, if you believe this is it, if you believe it's all over for me, you have been lied to and you are believing a lie because he cannot destroy you. He can only trick you into believing you are destroyed. It's a battle. I mean, we, we are at war. And we got to start taking the belt to Satan. Romans 8, 37. <clears throat> I love this scripture. But it, we get it confused because we think it says that we are conquerors in Christ. And it does not say that. It says we are more than conquerors in Christ. It doesn't mean that if you had a victory, well, you use your one credit, baby. No more. It says we are more than conquerors. That means every battle you get into, you can conquer. Well, I don't know. I, I, you know, I yelled at my wife this week. I probably don't have credit this week. <clears throat> I looked a little too long at that girl at the pool. I don't have credit this week. I've been thinking some things. I'll wait. I'll go to church, get cleaned up, and Monday I'll fight that battle. That's not the way it works. I don't care where you are. Find an altar. Get to an altar. And that altar may be in your car. Maybe don't drive 82 mile an hour praying to God to forgive you of your sins. The speed limit's 55. <clears throat> the Bible tells us I'm gonna drink a lot of wine. I'm very hot today. I'm very thirsty and hot. So I'm tired. I'm I've been beat up. I'm wore out. Been out here doing this and that and the other. <clears throat> and I wouldn't change a thing. Please don't say I think I'm complaining. I'm not. I'm I love to sow seed into the kingdom of God and 
what God is doing here in our special needs ministry. Hide and watch and see what God's about to do in this house. Mm. Mamas and daddies, you sitting at home, you can't come to church because nobody will watch your kids and you just soon, my God, I feel the Holy Spirit. You just soon sit at home, not anymore. There is a place for you. Don't believe me. Hide and watch and see what happens. God is about to do something in our special needs families in Muhlenberg County and surrounding counties. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. The Bible says that when David fought Goliath, that he slung a rock and popped him in the head. If you read that, it sunk into his head. And that big 10-foot behemoth fell. I can just imagine with his size and weight, it probably just almost feel like you're shaking the ground. And, and that could have been it. That's it. Maybe not die, but he'd have had some serious brain damage. He wouldn't have slung a sword again, that's for sure. But that wasn't good enough for David. The Bible says that David walked over to him, pulled his sword out, and cut his head off and used it as a trophy. Can you imagine that big old massive head and David's walking around? And some of us have been fighting the same devil over and over and over because you keep hitting him in the head, hitting him in the head, hitting him in the head, and you won't take the time to cut it off. Come out here on Monday night. I'm tired of calling it addiction recovery, Michael. I'm like you. I'm just going to start calling it life recovery. Yeah, it's life recovery on Monday night. And one of the things we tell the ones that come out here at life recovery, one of the first things you have to do is cut some things off in your life. You want to be set free, you're going to have to cut some things off. There's some people you can't talk to anymore. There's some phone numbers you got to delete. Maybe your whole phone. You might have to change your phone number. You may need to change your address, but cut it off. You want to be set free. And all you're doing is knocking the devil out for a season. I think I said last week or the week before, Jesus went to the desert and he was tempted three times as we know. And the Bible says, and Satan left for a more opportune time. He didn't defeat the devil in the desert. He said, man, this guy knows the word. <laughs> I'm going to, he's starving to death and he won't relent. I'm going to find him another time. I'm going to find because they're going to beat him up. They're going to mock him, make fun of him. I'll come to him then when he's ready. When he's ready to say, Lord, strike them all down with lightning. I'll come to him then and see what happens. He just left for a moment. And that's what we're doing in our life. In Jesus' case, it wasn't time to defeat the devil. There was a moment already pre-planned. But in your case, stop fighting him over and over and over again. So she did something 10 years ago. So you did something 10 years ago. For the love of God, let it go. Quit throwing it up in his face. Let it go. Have a happy marriage or get out. But quit 
keep it on. I'm not telling you to get a divorce. Don't. Pastor Mike says we're getting divorced. I knew it. Pastor Mike said, I can leave your hind in. Pastor Mike did not say that. Ephesians 6.13, let's read it again. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. The word withstand, actually this particular word, anahistome, I, I mentioned it in a different scripture last week and it's where we get the word antihistamine. It's where probably about 90% of you are popping every night or every morning. Some type of antihistamine. Mylon has to take up every night. Antihistamine. It's a spirit. It's demonic. Why are you telling me sneezing is demonic? I'm telling you there's attack on your life. There's a spirit of infirmity coming against you and your family. We got to figure out how to cast this nonsense out. God didn't say, you know what? I think I'm gonna make a bunch of humans and make them sneeze nonstop. That's not what God said. I don't know exactly what He said. Feel pretty confident it wasn't that. Make them red-eyed and coughing, snotting all over the place. Withstand to stand against. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. That you may be able to. to block the histamine, to block the enemy in the evil day. Wait. There's an evil day coming? There, there's a day of temptation? <laughs> oh my God, what do I do? We get so shocked and bent. But something happens. Oh, my little girl said a dirty word. That's it. It's over. You know? it's, it's uh, We get tore up when things come our way. And I'm not saying just blow off tragedy, but I am telling you we need to recognize what the Scriptures tell us. There's an evil day. There's a day of temptation. Men and women, too. If you find your eyes doing this and that girl walking from the store to her car at Walmart, It's not that she's cute. You're being tempted. Knock it off. There's nothing wrong with you happen to glance at somebody and in your mind think, she's cute. Turn your head. You're done. That's it. The mountain's cute, but you don't have to sit and just keep staring at the mountain. God created beauty. Recognize it. Move on. It's a temptation. There's an evil day to distract you. Because once that one distracts you, another one comes along. And before you know it, just anybody in their PJs walking out with stuff flopping everywhere, and you're just looking at them. Knock it off. I don't know. God forgive me. I'm trying to teach something here. All right. Take up the whole armor of God that you'll be able to withstand, that you'll be able to resist. So the whole armor of God teaches us that, that we can resist it. 
And we can stand, we can stand up to it. We don't have to bow down. We don't have to get bent out of shape every time something comes against our life. We, we can withstand it. And then we move to the next part. Having, having done all to stand, we've got three stands in these two scriptures. Having done all to, to stand, but this particular stand is completely different. And let me, I don't do this often, but let me read the amplified version because I, I like what they put in here. Having done everything that the crisis demands to stand fully prepared. Having done everything to prepare yourself for that crisis. It's, it's a different word. It's not just standing up and blocking. This is preparation. This is getting yourself ready for a fight. And the problem is, Christians, we go into battle and we're not prepared. And we're getting kicked all over the place because we never bothered to take the time to train. Too many Christians are getting beat up and they're losing their marriage and they're losing kids to drugs and they're losing jobs and they're being passed over for, with promotions. And it's because we don't know what it means to, to stand, to prepare, to get ready, to, to stand, to get everything in our life prepared for what's next. Maybe you missed it last time. Prepare for what's next. When Samuel, most of, hopefully all you saints know this, and some of you may not, but when Samuel came to anoint David, the first thing he did was he, he poured the anointing oil out. And then David wiped his forehead off and went and got a crown and sat on a throne, right? That night he was on a crone, on a throne, had his crown. God put him back in the field to prepare. And he did. And we read those scriptures, and I've preached on it intensely, that, that he became well known all over. He was, a, he was a man of valor. I mean, he would stand up to anybody, to anything. He was so talented. He became an instrumentalist. He could play instruments. And everybody knew how well he could play. Nobody knew that before. Not before the anointing. What, what do we need to do to prepare? Maybe get in an altar somewhere. Some of y'all are facing stuff in your life that's serious. And you've never made it to an altar. Well, I got an altar at home. I'm so tired of hearing I got an altar. You ain't getting no altar at home. I can do church at home where you're not. I've never one time in my life had somebody come up to me or call me on the phone. Woohoo! Boy, I just had church at home. Man. Oh, I had some worship music and had my hands lifted and the worship singer, she fell out in the spirit. Well, that was me. And then, and then you know, I've never had that happen. Oh, there was a word came forth in my bedroom. It was powerful. Well, it was me, but that's never happened. I can have church at home means I'm too lazy to come to church. I don't want to be bothered. I'd rather sit at home. Oh, wait a minute, it's 1030. Not even that anymore. Click. Verse of the day. Who had church? That ain't church. That's just, I don't know what it is. It may be demonic. If it's a lie, it's demonic. 
you're trying to tell yourself you're having church at home and that's all you're doing, it's a lie from the pit of hell. If it comes out of your mouth, I had church last Sunday at home and that's all you did, you just lie. Don't lie to the preacher. We've got to start. The point, is, the point is not the altar. The point is the anointing. You have to start and seek in the presence of God. I mean, at this point in your life, whatever it may be, and you've gone through what you've gone through, maybe it's, it's time to seek the kingdom of God. Maybe it's time to, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. Quit seeking first the kingdom of you. Because it ain't working. The only thing you're doing well is paying tithes at your home. That's awful, ain't it? I shouldn't have said that. Boy, we got a good tithing program. Nobody ever misses tithes at our house. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm playing. Too many times. I know I talk a lot about marriages in here. I'm not going to stop. Married couples, they wonder why they argue all the time. Or, or worse, why they don't talk. Just strangers sharing bills. And that's Christian homes where the divorce rate is pretty much the same as a non-Christian home. Because you don't prepare for marriage. We get excited about marriage. We get hormonal about marriage. But we don't prepare for marriage. It's exciting. When you're getting married, it's exciting when you meet somebody. It's, it's exciting to open the door for And She's like, oh, thank you. And you're just this and you're just that. And it wears off. And you get married and I don't, I don't want to open a door. You know, I'm wore out. I don't want to open the door. I'll open the door next time. I don't want to go out and eat. I want to sit at home. It's hard. Dog's hard. Don't want to go out. It wears off. But remember when you were dating? You want to go out? Yeah. Let's go. Why do I have any money? No matter. We'll just go to the park and walk around. I just want to look in your eyes. Just awesome. And then at some point later on down the road, you try to say, why are you staring at me? Is there something in my eye? I just want to look in your eyes. Well, stop. It's weird. You're weird. Knock it off. Can't you see? I'm trying to. I'm trying to see what Susie's up to. I'm trying to watch this video. We don't plan for the downs. We just get high on the ups. But we don't plan that there may be a day coming where one of us is in a bad mood. We don't plan for it. It's supposed to just work. We're Christians. It's supposed to just work it out. But that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says to stand, therefore, to prepare yourself for battle, to get ready. Get yourself ready. There is a day coming when all hell is going to break loose at your household. Don't be alarmed. Don't be surprised. Pull out the techniques you learn and get prepared. Don't raise your voice and say, you blankety-blank. No, you prepared for this. Keep your mouth quiet. Don't use those words. It's uncomely. We're not trying to see who can get the loudest and win an argument. We're trying to see how we can come together and agree on whatever it is we're disagree on in some fashion or another.
You seem, you seem looking a little longer at that girl. You saw him. He watched her all the way from the store to the car. And then watched her get in. And you got a choice to make. You can get mad. Let him have it. Blast him. You can shut him off. I said it. You cannot speak to him. You can punish him. He'll pay for this. Or you can take the curlers out of your hair. Put a little makeup on. Wear something cute. Whisper something I won't say from the pulpit in his ear. He's your husband. Put your hand on his leg and give him something else to think about besides that floozy walking in and out of Walmart knowing what she's doing, half naked. How do you want to win the battle? Because if you blast him, I promise you, he's going to be mad, you're going to be mad, and nothing gets resolved. You whisper sweet nothings and say, honey, you are looking good today. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. That's all you get. Listen, I've said this before. Men are like good old pork dogs. You know what a good old pork, you've seen the old movies, hee-haw, good old pork dog. You walk by an old pork dog every day, give him a little kick. He'll sit there for a long time, day after day after day. Finally, you come up, and he'll give a little, a little growl. One day, he might take a little nip at your ankle. And one day, you'll come home, and that porch dog will be on a neighbor's porch. But you come home, and you say, Oh, buddy, he's so good to shake him. <laughs> he'll guard that house. He will protect that home. He'll lick your face. He'll love on you. He will never, ever, ever, ever leave you. I dare say, and this ain't a this ain't a bash women's conference here. This is a this is just a service. And men, you don't have to raise your hand. But I dare say 90% of all married men in here or engaged men in here, probably not engaged, they're hitting this much all the time. Married men in here haven't heard a compliment from their spouse in 20 years. How long have you been married? 10 years? I don't know. <laughs> well, he's a man. I ain't got to compliment my man. Why? He compliments you all the time. Well, you think a man don't want to hear, well, your butt looks good in them jeans. Now, you can tell a woman that, and you can have to tell her every single day. And she's trying to figure out if you if there's something. What do you mean by that? Now, one day she might take it as a compliment, but the next day she's like, oh, uh-huh, yeah, my, I know what these jeans look like. Tell a man that. He'll stick his chest out. He'll be Superman for the next three years. You'll never have to do nothing. He'll take the garbage out. Three years. You can bank on it. Compliment a man. Men love compliments. Don't wear it out. Don't be fake. But don't look good, don't say it. Something does. 
you're cute. You take the garbage out well. You do something. But marriages are falling apart. And we just call the next person the latest person that got divorced and see what they did. Oh, I found somebody. Oh, God. God brought me that person. I, I Actually, how many has heard this? I never really was in love anyway. Yeah, you were. You just stopped loving. And it ruined your marriage. This ain't hard stuff, is it? The Bible tells us what to do. Stand there for. Be prepared. You don't want your, your porch dog to leave? Compliment him. Love on him. Don't blast him and kick him every day. He'll bite you. Let's move on. Too many people, 30, 40, 50 years old, still can't buy a house. They can't figure out why everybody else around them can buy a home. Because you never took a minute to fix your credit. Well, why is he preaching about this? Because the Bible says to be prepared. The Bible says to get your life right. Somebody told you two years ago that it would take two years to get your credit fixed, and you said that's too long. If you'd have done it, you'd be buying a house this week. Be a high interest rate, but hey. And I'm not saying some of us has got it together and some of us ain't. This stuff takes work. It's effort. But why not start now? Why not? Why not put the effort in now? And who knows in two, three, four years, you're buying a new home, you got a wife, you are happy. And guess what? Now you're having a small group of people from church over to your house and your fellowship and drawing people closer to the Lord. Mm-hmm. He's, I don't know. I'm not coming back here. He's just too much in my business. You can't expect everything that you desire to just happen. And I'm a firm believer in the power of expectation. I really, I think we should come in here on Sunday morning. You should already be in a state of preparation. You should already be in a state of expectation before you ever come in here. When my wife gets on stage, you think she's not prepared to open this service up? She's been in the Spirit longer than most of us will. All Sunday, she's already been in the Spirit. We got to prepare to come to church. Don't wait till you get in church. Prepare. You didn't bring an umbrella today. You didn't prepare. You have to prepare for what you expect. I got big expectations. And some of you have heard them. Big plans. Got big plans, don't we, Josh? Big plans, buddy. Big expectations. But I'm not sitting at home on my recliner couch going, Lord, I'll be glad when you work this thing out. Click. Now, I do a lot of that. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of preparation. You know where most of it is? Thursday. Thursday night, 5.30. Prayer. That's where a lot of it is. I'm preparing. I'm preparing in the presence of God. 
because he promised us we could get in his presence. The veil was torn. And, and what can you imagine the Old Testament saints, only one priest one time a year could go into the Holy of Holies. Can you imagine if God says, hey, guess what? Good news. I'm going to let you all go in anytime you want to. They would stamper each other to death to get into the Holy of Holies. Are you kidding? I can go in too? And we are allowed to get into the Holy of Holies every day. And we, we don't. We don't prepare. James 2.17 or Jacob 2.17 says, Faith without works is dead. You can have all the faith, all the desire, all the expectation you want, but at some point you've got to dig in. At some point you've got to make a change in your spiritual walk. I'll be honest with you. When I pray for somebody to be healed, I have every expectation for them to be healed. Now, some have and some haven't. Every expectation. They're sick. I have an expectation for them to be set free. But my expectation doesn't wander around alone. It's accompanied by a week of on my knees in prayer, by getting up in the morning and seeking first the kingdom of God. It's accompanied by my time in the Word. And what some of you don't know, those that, those that do reach out to me, if I happen to catch it on Facebook and I see some of the stuff you're going through, I'm speaking it out of my mouth because there's power of death and life in the tongue. And I'm speaking it out of my mouth, the things that you're going through. I'm saying in the name of Jesus, Josh's back is healed. Whatever happened to his back last week is going to go away. He is set free and delivered, walking in peace in his body. I'm speaking it out of my mouth. I'm preparing I have a great expectation for this place to be known as a deliverance house of God. Deliverance. Where you come in bound up with demons galore and walk out set free. I have great expectation. But I'm not sitting around just waiting. My wife has taken several of you to training. We've bought online training. Why, well, you shouldn't have to train. To... Well, Elijah did. Elijah set up a school of prophets. Read your Bible. Sure, we better be learning how to prophesy, learning how to study the Scriptures. That's why we have a small group here at 930 in the morning on Sunday morning to teach you how to better understand your Bible, that every one of you say, I don't understand it when I read it. Good news, 930, we got somebody here that's going to teach you how to understand it. Kickstart that motor for you. You've been trying to kickstart it, get it going for years, and it just will not run. We got somebody here that'll get that thing going for you. And you can leave out here going, whoa, I didn't know that. It gets you excited. I mean, reading and understanding the Scriptures gets me excited. It gets me fired up. This fall, all over this nation, there's going to be farmers bringing in these huge combines to their field, thousands of acres. There's going to be some farmers, just got a little old farm all, farm all H tractor, putting around, throw a little disc and plow. 
there's going to be some farmers. All they got is a couple row of corn, some tomatoes, a few taters. Now, they're all going out at the same time. They're all walking out in their field at the same time. And if I could somehow manage to survey every single one of them, not one of them would tell me, I didn't plant anything, but I'm expecting a harvest. Every one of them, either now, I'm not a farmer, but either right now or in the next few weeks, are going into the field. And they're putting the seed in the ground. They're going to work. Their family's going to work. Man, they're digging in. This is the moment that pays for their family for the entire year. This is what puts their children through college. This is it. They're putting the seed in the ground. And when the seed gets in the ground, they don't wake up that next morning looking. (sighs) Are you kidding me? Spent $10,000 on all this seed, put it in the ground yesterday. I don't see any of it. Margaret, do you see it on your side? None on this side. They know there's a, there's a holding period. There's a growing period. And we don't like to hear this, but there's a breaking period. That seed's going to break. It's going to be fertilized. And little by little, it's going to sprout up. And if it's tended to correctly, it will yield fruit in its due season but only to those farmers that prepared ahead of time if you want a bunch of watermelon this fall you better plant some watermelon seeds real soon amen take up the whole armor of God you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth. Now, when Paul wrote this, he was in prison in Ephesus. Every day he would have seen these Roman guards with all their military gear on. Every day he would have seen them putting some of their attire on, taking some of their attire off. And and your translation may say, gird up your loins. And and if you want to learn about that later, I can. I'm not getting deep into that right now. But every day he would see them. They would take all this stuff off and put all of it back on. And this is what he said. It's, in, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a first mention. All right, there's a, there's a whole teaching behind the first mention. And so he tells us, fasten on the belt of truth, first thing. Fasten on the belt of truth. What's the most important thing? Your belt. Now, he goes on talking, and we'll talk about it uh, at another time. He goes on talking about the shield, the helmet. We got a sword. But the first thing he talks about is the belt. That's how important this belt is. And he compares this belt to truth. It's like the foundation. It's like if you don't have the right belt, you have nothing. And if you think about, think about a policeman. Think about his little his his little bat belt, you know. He, he's got a gun, he's got a taser, he's got pepper spray, he's got handcuffs, he's got band-aids, I don't know. He's got all kinds of stuff. Now imagine if he didn't have his belt and he's getting ready to arrest somebody. Oh, hey buddy, will you pick that gun up? Thank you. Take your get these handcuffs out of the yeah, out of my back pocket. Yeah, put them on. 
Without the belt of truth, it all falls apart. You will not be functional. You will not be successful. You won't know which way's up. You don't know what's right. That's part of the problem that we're facing in our culture today is, is the standard. The, the standard is being skewed. We have a standard. But many of our folks now have been taught that there is no standard, that you can create your own standard. That's a lie. It's all a lie. The belt of truth, your truth from the scriptures, is the most important thing that you could have in your life. If you're struggling with addiction, the truth says to be sober-minded. If you're struggling with your marriage, the truth says husbands love your wife, wives respect your husband. It's different. There's a whole teaching behind it, but it's in the truth. If you're struggling with your finances, the truth says to honor God with a tithe of your first fruits and, and to bring the tithe into the storehouse. If you're sick, the truth says by his stripes you're healed, and it says he sent his word and he healed them. That's the truth. Matthew 8, if you know this story, the Roman centurion rides up. Jesus just healed this lady, and he, he rides up, and, and they all love this one particular Roman centurion. He says, my servant, we love the servant. He's a great guy, but he's dying. Jesus says, I'll go to your house. And remember what the centurion says? The centurion says, you don't need to come to my house. You don't need to go any farther because I recognize the authority of your word all you have to do is speak the word and he will be healed and Jesus there's only two times this shows and both of them are with Romans and Jesus or well one of them's with a Roman but both of them they're uh, Gentiles Jesus is amazed he's astonished he cannot believe this he said not in all of Israel have I seen this kind of faith. Not in all of Israel. And he says, go your way. Your servant will be healed as you believe. The word. This guy just believed in the authority of the truth. And we're fighting things that we don't know what to fight with other than, ha, I don't know what to do. But we need to be fighting it with the word. My God, listen, I'm telling you, I spent so many years, ask my spouse how many years I've ached and moaned and groaned. And I couldn't get up here doing this. I ache, moan, and groan now at a whole different level. It's just old man ache, moan, and groan. But the word. I just kept speaking the word and believing the word, and I know I looked foolish, and I just did not care. I spoke the word. I am healed. I am the delivered of the Lord. Spoke that word. I had prophecies over my life. Some were cuckoo gaga, and I don't pay attention to that nonsense. But there were some from words from people who I trusted their mouth. I trusted their word. I trusted their spirit. And so I prophesied the prophecy that they spoke to me. And lo and behold, it come to pass. The word, the truth, that's what I fight with. It's 
especially when I don't know what else to fight with. When just things just, I just, God, I don't know how this is going to work. I have no idea how you're going to work this out. And God will be like, hey, 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 remember? Speak the word, speak the word. Oh, that's right, speak the word. And I start speaking the word. Every problem that you're dealing with can be resolved by the word. The, our problem is, especially in our culture, is we want to speak a word and we want to get up from our prayer closet and we want to see it happen right now. And that's not the way it works. But nothing else is working your, in your life that way, so why get upset when God doesn't work it out just like that? Everything takes time. you got to speak the word to your situation. And sometimes you need to get excited. Joyce, sometimes we just need to get fired up. Well, you don't have to raise your voice at a demon. Maybe you don't have to, but Jesus did. The Bible tells us he was in the synagogue teaching. And there was a demon-possessed man kept distracting everybody. And finally, read your Bible. Read the original text. Read what it says. Jesus said, shut up! Come out of him! And he was delivered just like that. He didn't go over there and say, no, listen. And sometimes, listen, that's my wife. She'll tell you, sometimes you have to have some calmness, especially when there's a lot of people. you got to keep some order or it will be huge disorder. The demons will make sure there's disorder. But sometimes... You just got to have that righteous indignation and pray it out and scream it out, speak it out, and say, devil, I have had enough of you. You're done. Here's the belt of truth. And speak that truth out. And if you don't know what the truth is, if you don't have one truth, then let's start back at ground zero. I don't want to bash you over the head this morning if you don't know one single scripture, but find a scripture. Find one. And just learn one scripture. If nothing else, I said one today should be easy. Romans 8, 37. Wait a minute. I shouldn't be going through this. The Bible says, Romans 8, 37, I'm more than a conqueror. Through Christ who loves me. I'm more than a, I am more than a conqueror. Six words. Surely we can remember six words. You don't have to remember that it was Romans 8.37 because it wasn't Romans 8.37 when it was spoke out. Just remember that scripture and I don't care how bad you get. Listen, I've been in the emergency room and my lungs closing down and couldn't breathe. All I could get out was two syllables. Jesus! That was it. And lo and behold, right before they intubated me, somebody come running there, hold on, give him this. Everything was solved. After an hour of gasping for breath. Say the name. You know. Say the name. Whatever. That's all you can do. Say that. Be mad. I'm so mad at him right now. I can't believe he's sleeping on the couch tonight. Say the name. Because him sleeping on the couch ain't going to fix a thing. It's going to make him mad and bitter, hurt his back, and he's going to wake up and be mad at you because he's got a hurt back. 
I've gotten mad at Amy before. I'd see it, I'm getting up. Go in there, lay down on the couch, and then the Lord would be like, what are you doing, stupid? Just lay in there going, oh, man, oh, I can't find a comfortable spot. Then go to bed. <laughs> and I promise you, she's not in there going, I just can't believe he's in there. She's in there, you know. And then wake up in the morning, and it's like, hey, babe, what's up? Hey, honey, what's going on? Wouldn't we mad at each other? I don't think so. I, what? Most of this nonsense we battle over is just that it's nonsense, and it ain't worth the effort. It ain't worth the time. It's just a prod just to try to get at you, just to try to start something in your marriage, just to try to break you apart just a little bit. Just say the name. Speak the truth. And a little disclaimer, please don't use the scriptures against your spouse. The Bible says you've got to submit to me, woman. Don't do that. You can say it to the Lord. Lord, didn't you say she's supposed to submit to me? And he might say something to you. Well, didn't I tell you you're supposed to love her like Jesus loved the church? Oh, that's right. You go love her like Jesus loves the church, and I'll work on her heart about being a partner a submissive partner because we have twisted and perverted the name, the word submissive to the point it's ridiculous. Jesus said in John 8, 31, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then later on, he says, so if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Now, wait a minute. There's two different kinds of freedom there. Either I'm free or I'm not. And I'm trying to think about that, and I've studied this. And I think, if you deal with anxiety and you go to the doctor and you get a prescription for anxiety and you take that pill, then you get a little bit of freedom. The anxiety's still there, but you're, you're getting it calmed down. You're getting it squashed. There's some freedom, but you're not free indeed. If you go to jail and you've been in jail for a while and guard comes along and says, hey, good news, you've been released. Come next Thursday, they're letting you out. Now, legally, you're free. But until next Thursday, you're not free indeed. Right? But Jesus says, his kind of freedom is free indeed. So I'm not saying if you're struggling with the medical issue, don't go to the doctor. You do what's right for your family. But in the meanwhile, at the same time, Go to Jesus. And I know we let a lot of stuff happen to us. But for these things happen to your kids, your neighbor's kids, your friend's kids, your partner's in ministry's kids, maybe you need to be like I was this week, like Amy was this week. Maybe you need to get a righteous indignation and say, devil, how dare you?
and just plead the blood of Jesus and rebuke him, bind him, bind his efforts, at least until somebody can come along and cast that nonsense out of that little one. Free indeed. Stand with me, if you will, if you can. I'm going to reread this scripture. And I want to finish it from Psalm 144. The Lord trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. And listen what the rest of it is. He is my steadfast love, my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, my refuge. So what he's saying is, if you'll prepare, the Lord will make your hands, the Lord will make your life battle ready. But he'll fight the fight. Isn't that awesome? We can't be lazy Christians and expect God to do it all. He says, you prepare. You get ready. You seek first the kingdom of God. And then he'll fight the fight for you. Thanks for watching today's broadcast. If you were encouraged today or made a decision for Christ, let us know by visiting our website. And sometimes you've got to get mad at the devil and say, I've had enough. Enough is enough.